The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee. Artwork by Helen Rachel Lee. Music by Fish Zombie the Onions. And special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be. Chapter 105 Fault 1883, June 2nd, Paris, France In a room off to the side of the dance floor, several plush chairs sat around a short table. The table was set with teas and cake and small sandwiches. Older women dressed in darker colors, but just as fine as the younger women out on the dance floor, drank and talked in low voices. They were the matriarchs of their families, and if the dance floor was the showroom, then this was the sales office, where the deals were made. At a chair in the center sat Aphrodite, like Jesus at the Last Supper, surrounded by other conversations, and yet somehow it all revolved around her. Her hair was long and silver, and it glistened with the light. Her eyes creased with age, yet somehow it framed her beauty, making her more beautiful, not less. Her smile was broad and genuine, and her laugh carried through the room despite the fact that it was soft and reserved. Psyche and I stood before the table waiting for someone to acknowledge our presence when Psyche finally coughed. <clears throat> Mother, you're being rude to your guest, she said as the table went quiet. Aphrodite turned to us. So I am, Aphrodite responded. Thank you, dear, for fetching her. That's all I require of you for the night. You may go have fun. Good luck, cousin, Psyche whispered in my ear before she left. Please, sit, Aphrodite instructed as she pointed to the chair. The woman sitting in the chair got up, without being asked, and left the room. I sat down, keeping my back straight and my hands in my lap. I did not speak, but waited to be spoken to. Ladies, may I introduce you to Helen Taggart? Her father owns Taggart Oil, and if America had a king, Miss Taggart would be its princess. But before you send your sons on a quest to catch her hand, I must warn you, her affection comes at a cost. Death follows this one, and fate has tied her to another halfway across the world. Aphrodite spoke in French to the women. Goddess, I'm honored by your attention, and... If I've offended you, I sincerely apologize, I said in English, so only Aphrodite understood me. You know who I am, she asked, speaking now to me in English. Yes, you're Aphrodite, the goddess of love, beauty, and lust. You are the patron goddess of prostitutes and adulterers, I recited for my lessons. Ladies, leave us, she commanded to the other women in French. Without saying a word, each woman stood and bowed to her slightly as they left for other parts of the ballroom. We sat still, and in silence stared at each other, and I began to worry something was wrong. How did you recognize me? She asked me once we were alone. Well, your daughter-in-law said you were Lady Venus. She called me cousin as she left. If you're Venus and she's my cousin, then she must be Psyche, and if she is Psyche and you are her mother-in-law, then you must be Aphrodite. Is Cupid here? Uh, I'm sure he's somewhere. But most don't believe in the gods anymore. I call myself Lady Venus all the time. 
and even my own champion did not understand the depth of what that meant. How is it that you understand it? Who taught you this? I'm sorry. Have I done something wrong? I don't mean to offend you, and if I have, I truly apologize. You're a cursed child. Do you think it was a gift that I gave Paris all those years ago? The arrogant shepherd made me pay with my body to win a contest over my fellow goddesses. It was my body, not yours, that paid for the golden apple. You were my revenge. A trick I played on a mortal that took more than he should. If he had bowed to me and gave me the apple without taking advantage of the situation, I would have tied him to the wife he already had. He would have lived the rest of his life never knowing he was a prince, just a shepherd, loved and cared for until he grew old and passed away quietly in his sleep. But instead, I tied him to you, and you brought him nothing but war and death. How can you say you loved him? If you had loved him, you would have left him alone. I let myself slip from the chair I was sitting in. I was kneeling before her. I bowed my head and I spoke softly. Goddess, thank you. Thank you for your gift. Even if it was a curse to him, it was a gift to me. I do not wish anyone harm. I do not wish anyone sorrow. I would like to see a world where war and death do not come for us, yet somehow already I have known pain. I have known sorrow and I have known death. It has taken from me people who would try to harm me, and it has taken from me people that I love. I am a prisoner, and I live a life in a cage, even if it's a beautiful cage. Yet I endure. I move forward day after day, preparing for one thing and one thing alone, love. I know that if I walk this path, I will meet the person in the world who will love me with everything that is in him. I don't know if it's because of him or you or me. It doesn't matter. If I can spend just one day being loved and giving love, if I can spend just one day with him, then no pain or sorrow I suffer after will sting any longer because the memory of him will carry me home. Him, Aphrodite said as she smiled. You're an ignorant child. And you are in for a lot of surprises down this road. But do not think for a moment that you are the only one who suffers. You want this life. You want your day of love and freedom. Let me show you what it will cost. Let me show you what it has already cost me. Close your eyes. I did as she asked. Suddenly I felt warm. I could smell wildflowers and a soft breeze bringing the warm air of summer across my skin and even with my eyes closed, I could see the brightness of day surrounding me. Open your eyes, Aphrodite commanded. I opened to see I was kneeling by a tree near a lake, and I was surrounded by wildflowers. I turned to see a farmhouse in the distance, but everything looked abandoned. There was no one else here. The sun was high above me in the sky. It must be somewhere around noon or just after. What? Time is it? I asked. Time has not moved. We have, she answered. Where are we? You kneel at the grave of my daughter. She died for you, and you didn't even know it. Halfway around the world, and your influence took her from me, a girl I loved dearly. 
and you think your freedom is worth your suffering. It's a price you've decided to pay, pain you've decided to endure, so that you may have what you want. But what about everyone else? What about those people who don't get to decide what they want? What about those people whose lives are lost and destroyed so you can have your day in the sun? How did she die? She died preparing a path for your arrival. She died teaching Paris how to love. She died for you. She knew him? You know him. Who is he? Where is he? Don't you hear me? People are going to die for you. Are their happiness and their lives somehow meaningless before yours? Why do you think you deserve joy and they deserve death? I don't. I don't think anyone deserves death, but I cannot stop Hades. He will come whether I meet Paris or not. I know I can walk away from my fate. I know I could run, leave all of this behind me and never see the war. It won't stop it. It won't prevent a single day of suffering and death will come regardless. I reached down and felt the ground below me. Thank you, lost sister. I love you. Even if I'll never meet you, I whispered to the ground before I stood. I love. I cannot not love. I dream of Paris, of meeting him over and over again. I have read and studied atlases of the world, always looking at foreign cities, wondering, could he be here? Could he be there? I study old myths and stories, looking for hints and clues. I look for us and the evidence of past lives. I have been called crazy. I have been called obsessed. But what I am is in love. You gave that to me. It came from you, and I refuse to see it as a curse. Love is never a curse. It is a gift to be cherished, appreciated, and treasured. I will fight for it. If others wish to fight with me, I will accept their help, and I will love them for their efforts. In return, I will honor them as heroes, and I will mourn them with all my heart if they should pass. I've been told that it's my fate to die alone pulled down by the weight of the guilt I will one day feel. I have been told that it is my fate to regret the actions I am going to take. And so, you're right, my goddess. I am an ignorant girl. But what can I do? I'm in love. You surprise me. I should have made you one of my priestesses long ago. Am I not one of your priestesses? <laughs> no, child. You do not belong to me. Would you like to? You can be one of my girls. Prostitution is a sacred tradition. It takes kindness, empathy, and patience. They are lessons you would benefit from. Would you give up your destiny to follow me? It's true, the war may still happen, but it won't be your fault. You will never feel the guilt of it. Learn to be a servant instead of a queen. And what about Paris? I will break that chain for you. You will not be tied to them any longer. This life and all that follow will be your own. No, I said flatly. I'm sorry. I am truly sorry for whoever's grave I stand at now. I'm, I'm sure whoever they were, I would have loved them dearly. But I cannot surrender the love I have. If she died for me, 
I will not dishonor that sacrifice by giving up on what it was for. Love. Lifetime after lifetime, tragedy after tragedy, I have fought to hold on to a man that is always ripped from my arms. Someday I'll succeed. Someday we'll be together. I'll get this right. Someday I will live a life with Paris, long and happy and peaceful. I will find a way. Aphrodite looked away from me, her face bowed and tired. <sighs> revenge is not becoming. It always leads to regrets. I do not seek revenge, I told her. I wasn't talking to you. Close your eyes, she instructed, and I did as she told me. The heat of the sun and the bright day beyond my closed eyes faded, and once again I could hear the band and the people who filled the ballroom. I will not interfere in your life any longer. Letting you go was the only gift I could have given you. If it's not one you want, then I leave you to your fate. I will remain here in Paris and allow the game to continue as is. When it's all over, if you wish to talk, just return and I'll find you. Thank you, goddess, I said as I bowed to her. Don't thank me. I haven't done you any favors. Now, go enjoy the ball. Enjoying the ball was the last thing I wanted to do now. I scanned the ballroom looking for Odysseus. I just wanted to leave when a man in a black tuxedo called my name. Miss Taggart! Miss Taggart! He repeated until I turned to see him. Miss Taggart, I'm Gabriel Durand. I would be honored if you'd come dance with me. I I'm sorry. Not now. I, I have to go. I turned away from him, but he followed. Miss Taggart, just a moment of your time. One dance. He looked at me hopefully. Other men in tuxedos began to surround me. Don't listen to him. He dances like a hippo. Come with me, Miss Taggart. Another man offered me his arm. No, no, not now. I, I don't want to dance. I told the men in the crowd. Would you care for some refreshments? Asked a third man, as now I had no way out. I was surrounded. I tried to look past them to see where Odysseus was, but all I could see was tuxedos and smiles full of teeth, like the smile the headmaster had on just before I killed him. These men weren't happy. They were hungry. I tried to push past, but they had formed a wall. I could see beyond them the women waiting for suitors. There were more of them now. These men must have abandoned their pursuits, sent to win my affections after learning who I was, ignoring Aphrodite's warning. Odysseus! I called, but I couldn't see him. Odysseus! I yelled louder as the men began to argue amongst themselves. A strong hand grabbed me by the arm, pushing the men aside as he pulled me from the crowd. I looked up into the eyes of Captain Renault. He shoved me behind him and stood between me and the crowd. She said no. Have you all lost your senses? We are gentlemen, not cavemen. Give the lady time. Go back to your mothers and tell them you have failed. This is a ball, not a cattle auction. Gabriel stepped forward. How dare you speak to me like that? My great-grandfather was Napoleon Bonaparte, and you dare call me a caveman? <laughs> well, that will explain why you're such a small man, Captain Renault replied as he stepped closer. The captain was at least a head taller, and he looked down at him. Gabriel pushed Renault back with both hands. He bumped into me, and I staggered a little. 
Gabriel tried to punch Renault, who simply dodged and let the punch slip past him. Renault pushed Gabriel around so that his back was to him, and then kicked him in the ass, causing him to fall face first onto the ground. The men surrounding Gabriel laughed at him. Renault turned to me. Are you okay, Bella Fee? He asked me. Pretty girl. That's what Bella Fee meant in French. He called me pretty girl. And it was the last thing he would ever call anyone. Gabriel, still lying on the floor, turned. He had a small, two-shot pocket pistol in his hand, and he fired both barrels at Captain Renault, who never saw it. His back was turned as he was looking at me. There was kindness in his eyes as he smiled. It was genuine and true. He looked down at me, not like the suitors with the teeth bared, their hunger obvious. He looked down at me with genuine concern. He protected me. He'd kept me from them and tried to defend me. And for that, he died. He fell forward into my arms. I couldn't hold him and we both fell to the ground. Gabriel got to his feet and ran from the ballroom, pushing people aside as he did. Everything went quiet. The band stopped playing. The ladies stood from their chairs, but none would approach. Everyone began to circle us. I was on my knees holding Renault. I let him slip down to my lap so that he lay on the ground, but I stayed kneeling before him. I began to cry, but no one would break the circle that surrounded me. Everyone stayed away, as if an invisible barrier kept them from me, and not a single person would cross it. Until Hades. Somehow I knew he'd come. He stepped through the crowd and into the circle, only I could see him. No! I screamed at him. No, you can't have him! I covered Captain Renault with my body, holding him down to the ground, trying to keep his soul from escaping. Let him live! He was just trying to protect me. He was kind to me. Let him live. It's not his fault. I am not concerned with fault. Who is to blame is not important. It would change nothing. Please, just spare him. It's not within my power. Don't kill him. All you have to do is not kill him. I don't kill anyone. People die, and I take care of them. I can't stop them from dying. I can only help after they have. I won't let you. I won't let you take him. I held on tighter to Renault. Hades stepped aside, and behind him stood Captain Renault. He smiled at me and knelt down next to me, next to his own dead body. His hand came up and touched my cheek. He smiled the same smile he had before he died, full of concern for me, not one thought of his own loss. Don't cry, Bellefie. You'll ruin your makeup. Don't go, I begged him. My queen, forgive me. There's nothing to forgive. Not for this. But a long time ago, I was your guard. I betrayed you. I caused the death of your friend. And your lover, smarter than I thought she was, saw through my treachery and killed me for it. I have spent many lives looking for you, trying to make amends, trying to say I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I forgive you. I forgive you for everything. Don't go. I must. But I will go unburdened for once. I'll go with joy, knowing I have your forgiveness. 
He turned away from me, and Hades led him through the crowd. Only I saw them go. The tears would not stop coming down my cheek, and I fell back from my knees to sit on the ground in front of what remained of Captain Renault. Helen! Helen! Odysseus was finally at my side, and he tried to get me to speak, but I had nothing left to say. Helen, come on, get up. We should go. He said, but I didn't move. I didn't look at him. My mind stopped thinking. I didn't care any more. I could not think to answer him. I could not think to get up. I just sat there, not moving, not speaking. I felt Odysseus's arms wrap around me, and though he was not strong, he managed to find a way to lift me from the ground. He helped me wrap my arms around his neck. He somehow managed to start to walk. He was carrying me. He cared enough to pick me up and carry me when I could not move. Would he die for me? Odysseus, the man lost at sea. He had treated me the past six years like a daughter, teaching me stupid things when no one was looking. He showed me how to make a wine glass sing. He used Penelope's teapot to teach me how a steam engine worked. We learned to dance together. He'd never needed to dance before. He'd never even, he'd never even tried it. But Penelope had taught us both in the barn where they lived. I miss my mother. I hate my father. Penelope and Odysseus had become what I thought my parents should have been. And now he carried me from the ballroom. I was afraid one day, because of me, he would die. Everyone would. I woke up in my bed. I don't know how long I'd been asleep. I don't remember falling asleep. I was dressed for bed, so someone had taken off my gown, most likely Penelope. I heard voices arguing in the hall before my door. She failed. Came the voice of Pollux. That wasn't her fault. Her fault or not. Every time we let her out of this room, somebody dies. That's an over-exaggeration. Is it? I'm not going to discuss this right now. I need to talk to my husband. We'll make a plan. See me in the barn tomorrow. For now, I have to check on her. Please, just give me time. It's been six years, and we're right back where we started. We're not. Let me fix this. You're not always going to be there for her. You're not always going to be around to clean things up. She needs to be able to stand on her own, and she needs to find a way to stop killing people. Tomorrow. We'll discuss this tomorrow, Penelope said with finality. I could hear Pollux huff and then walk away. I listened carefully as a key slipped into the lock and a door opened. I stayed still and silent. Helen? Penelope came to me, sat in the chair next to my bed, and picked up my hand and held it in hers. Helen, can you hear me? I didn't respond. I didn't want to respond. I wanted them to all go away. Maybe I should have just run away a long time ago. You didn't do this. This isn't your fault. None of it has been your fault, she explained to me. I turned to look at her. My eyes were wide. I tried to tell her, it is my fault. It is. But I couldn't speak. There are things you can't control, and there are things you can. The first thing I learned about witchcraft is what it truly was. It's about understanding the world around you, 
truly understanding it as much as you can from the smallest grain of sand to the turn of the planets. If you understand the world around you, you can decide what you want your world to be. You must understand the limits and the extent of your influence. Use your mind to change the world with what you can influence, but even within that, there are things you cannot control. Understanding them allows you to know what you can change and what you cannot. The planets will spin as they have spun for millions of years. If it is your wish to stop them or to change their rotation, it is a task you will never accomplish. But if you wish to see a world where you can live in peace, loved, happy, and sharing it with the person you have chosen, that you can have. Even if there are people who try and take that power from you, she explained. I sat up in bed. I looked her in the eyes. She smiled at me. I slipped out of bed, not saying a word. All I could think was the turn of the planets. I walked to the door. I opened it. She followed me. I went down the hall and down the stairs. I went to the library, all the time with Penelope following behind me. In the library, I found a large globe. I took a lantern from the desk. It was lit. I held it up to the globe, illuminating the side of the world, shining the light as much as I could directly on Paris. And then I carefully spun the globe until Paris was on the other side of the light. My hand fell where the light was now shown. America. The West. California. Nevada. Colorado, somewhere in the West. He's here. Somewhere here, I said. Who is? asked Penelope. Paris. You want to go to the West? Mm, I need to. Then we shall make a plan. We shall make a deal, you and I. It's going to come true. I have to make it come true. The war? Penelope asked. The war, I answered. I have tried all my life to avoid this. I have tried so many times to stop it, she explained. It cannot be stopped, I told her. Well then, there's only one option left. What's that? We must win it, Penelope smiled at me. She walked me back to my room, pulled the covers for me, and set me back in bed. Penelope? I asked her before she could leave. Yes? She turned and sat in the chair next to me again. Captain Renault. Before Hades could take him, his soul told me that we'd met before. He told me my lover had killed him. That may be true, Penelope assured me. He told me specifically she had killed him. I looked at Penelope. My head tilted to one side. I bit my lip. Is that a question? She asked me. Do you think I once loved a girl? Is that even something that people can do? It's been known to happen. I've never read about any such thing. If it has happened, wouldn't it have been in the books? There are books on the subject, yes. 
We haven't put any of those in the library. However, that's probably an oversight on my part. I shall buy you some as soon as I can. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Penelope got up from her chair, and she walked to the window. She looked out at the barn. The lights were still on, and she could see Odysseus's shadow moving about inside. She then went to the door of my room. She pulled on the ribbon at her wrist, popping her key into her hand. She turned it in the lock, locking us in and the others out. She then came back to me, sat in the chair, and took a deep breath. Okay. I want to tell you a story, and it may take some time. The story to me is very personal and private. I need you to promise you will not repeat it, especially to Oscar. I promise. What is it? I need to tell you the story of the Reaper. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com. If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question, please email us at Helen of the Iron Horse at gmail.com. The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.